We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. Chiefs lose the Week 17 matchup to the Chargers, 38-21. Uh, no one really seems to care because most of the starters were not playing in this game. They could fall to 14-2 and on the season, but they are the number one seed for the AFC playoffs, and we've got a fun show for you tonight. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Leckie, and we've got special guest Craig Stout of Arrowhead Pride and the AP Laboratory and all those other podcasts. The best Chiefs podcast out there. We can say that because it is true Craig we can say that because it's I don't true. I I think that's a little far fetched I'm coming on the best chiefs podcast no, that exists no, right now no. this is we talked about this nation of Craig, the no. two best I feel you don't sinner. listen to this show enough because you don't realize that Nick and I <laughs> have spent time wondering why people were listening because I don't work there anymore. We don't break down the film. Like, if you want no. breakdowns, like, go listen to those guys. Yeah. If you want stories, go listen to Matt McMullen. He's yeah. there every day. So we're just a couple of has-beens at this point. We just happen to have some rings. Some everybody rings loves us. you guys. Don't 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 act like nobody's tuning in. Like, everybody's tuning in to hear you guys' thoughts on the games because you guys do an excellent job with this every Thank single you. week. That means a lot. Thank we, you. We pride because ourselves on Luke. Yeah. Yeah, we pride ourselves. I pride myself on lukewarm takes, but after this week on social media, I don't know if I can <laughs> claim lukewarm takes apparently anymore. But wow. let's get into this show. Uh, what we are going to do, and this is going to be a fun one. We've got four segments. Uh, we've got one that we're all going to get to, and then each one of us is bringing our own segment to the show. Uh, Nick, I want to know what your segment that you're going to break down. We'll get to them in a minute, but I want to know what your segment is going to be, just so for everybody listening, they know what to expect. Much like this show is bootlegs and B-sides, uh, I like the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the B-team of Dion Yelder and Henny uh, as opposed to the Patrick-Travis connection. And sort of is it like an offensive scheme or is it sort of like let's, let's copy what the best are doing and let's figure that out. And that's how we, how we sort of jumpstart this okay. offense. I don't know what right, that hot, was. Hot. We, we just said lukewarm takes, and the first thing I toss to him, he says that uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are system players. So <laughs> tune in to this one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> I hate that word, system player. I'm That's saying, is this, is this how this offense is built, or is that just what they do? Are they imitating what the best do? Hey, hey you know I'm, what? Hey, you call me a system with my Super Bowl ring on, on the finger, right? That's what Patrick says, right? Hey, exactly. hey. Hey, Billy Madison, right? Green Our jacket, system. yellow jacket. Who gives a shit, right? <laughs> All right, Craig. What is the segment that you're bringing to the table? 
And I'm bringing to the table the fact that the Chiefs got a rare depth look at what they've got on the roster late in the season, playing against ones. Like in the preseason, you don't typically get twos versus ones. You're getting twos versus ones. And there were a lot of guys that got their very first snaps of their career today. Like that's a that's a lifelong dream fulfilled for several guys. So I just want to talk about what that means. You know, it is a quote unquote meaningless game, but it's not meaningless to a lot of those guys. Yeah, and hopefully we saw the reports after the game that Willie Gay has a sprained ankle. Hopefully he'll be back um, for the playoffs. It's going to be a day-to-day, and we're not going to know. And Luckily, the Chiefs do have that week off. Uh, but unfortunately, DeAndre Baker, not sure how much he would have played in the playoffs, but uh, has a broken femur, um, which is not a small deal. Um, so hopefully he can get healthy over the offseason. He did make some plays, uh, which makes it a little kind of sting uh, as watching that as a guy that a lot of fans wanted to know, you know how he would fit in here after coming over from the Giants and being such a top pick. Uh, getting that opportunity to come here is a big pickup from Brett Veach. So um, don't like to see those injuries, but Craig, I love I love that topic, and that'll be fun to get into. Uh, and the one that I've got uh, for, we'll close it out on the show, is just um, since we have two weeks to break down whatever the matchups are going to be, and there's going to be a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of time for those. Uh, so we have time to step back and talk about different ways of being a fan. Um, I know it's a hot topic, and we'll try to – to touch on it, not insult anybody, but we all have different perspectives. And uh, if we can share and open and listen, then maybe somebody can learn something and maybe we can all learn something from each other. Uh, trying to be cheesy about it. You guys are laughing because you know who I, how I am. But uh, I want let's do this first segment, guys. Um, before Actually, before we do this first segment, let's thank our sponsor here in Jack Stack Barbecue. Uh, if you need some food for this weekend or throughout the week, just go to jackstackbbq.com. Over the weekend, you can get the Outside the Trenches special, which is pulled pork. That is ribs, and that is brisket. And you can get some cheesy corn and uh, beans with that as well. Put in code TRENCHES10 and get 10 bucks off. That is carryout only. Only on the weekends. But guys, let's talk about this this first segment. I just want to get each of your perspectives on the regular season. Now that we can kind of step back and look, Chiefs were able to go 14 and 2 during their run it back tour in the regular season. Obviously, the playoffs are going to be what the playoffs are. But as you look back on this regular season, and Craig, I want to ask you first, what are you most proud of? Or what is the the the, the thing that's going to jump out in your mind uh, maybe a couple of years from now when you think about the 2020 regular season? Uh, this was the turning point for the Chiefs as a franchise. No longer is it kind of thought of, well, you know, we'll see what the Chiefs do. This team is already being, you know, kind of talked down. Like Patrick Mahomes, like constantly in the MVP conversation is being talked down as, well, you, you saw those three plays or his interception-worthy throws or whatever the case may be or the Chiefs offensive line, trying to run them down. Oh, that's going to be the thing that costs them. The Chiefs defense. It's like, for the first time in my fanhood of almost 40 years now, this team is the top dog. And everybody wants them to fail at every turn. And boy, that turned quick. You know, it turned super quick that all of a sudden, The Chiefs are that organization. They are the standard bearer now, so everybody's always looking to give them their best shot. Everybody's always looking to find every single weakness, every single little crack that they can find to try and expose and beat this team, and it didn't matter. I mean, the Chiefs went 14-2 and this last loss here, you know, playing a bunch of backups, but 14-1 and with their first team, that's a phenomenal achievement. This team looks like it's humming and is going into a playoffs with 
the best team in the NFL, regardless of what anybody wants to move the Bills or, you know, the Saints or the Packers are in front of them. This is the best team in the NFL. And for the first time, like I said, in 40 years, it's weird to be in that spot to have everybody kind of turning against you as the team to really try and take down. Yeah, we sit here and preach, Nick, real quick. We sit here and we've been preaching, like, don't take it for granted. Like, don't become Patriots fans. Like, don't be that fan base. Like, we talked about it on the old show. It was like, it's kind of edgy there to be like, don't become Patriots fans, like working for Chiefs.com. But like, it's like, don't be those people. But then you start to have these these thoughts. And I'm sitting here being like, is this that like arrogance that I was talking? Like, am I becoming a hypocrite? Because when I hear Bill Cowher say something like, well, if I'm going to build a franchise, I'm going to start with Josh Allen. I'm just like, fuck, come on. Who is this guy? Get out of here. Like, Don't be hot take guy. And then that's my immediate reaction is like, you know what? Josh Allen's a damn good player. And no, he's not better than Patrick Mahomes. But if that's his take, that's fine. But my immediate reaction is... Come on. Like, he's just yeah. trying to make content because Mahomes can't be the answer for everything. Yeah. Like, is that me becoming the, what I, you know, live long, live long enough to see yourself become the villain? Is that the no, same, Nick? No, not at all. But it, it is funny to me how quickly the, the Patriots got um, supplanted by, by the Chiefs <laughs> in the team that everyone loves to hate. And it's like, how can you hate on a Midwestern team with a, with, with a fun head coach? Uh, he's sort of Andy Reid's like the anti-Belichick because I I remember I played with a guy Brandon Gorin. He was a Purdue guy and he played with Matt Light, who was another Purdue guy, and he was at the Patriots when they were like undefeated. And he was like, man, this is like the most miserable undefeated team ever. <laughs> you know, just because it's not fun. Like they win uh, mechanically, right? They they win mm-hmm. robotically. Whereas the Chiefs. Um, and, and Craig, BJ, you guys and Justin, you, you know, you know, football, uh, real football over in Europe where you actually like have a foot with your ball instead of throw uh-huh. a, yeah. the round one. Yeah. Yeah. The round one and how Barcelona, I said that like I was a foreign exchange student plays the beautiful game, right? Where you move the ball around, possess the ball, that stuff. It's and cross it's country in a box. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you, BJ. Thank Go you. Go ahead. We need that. Go ahead. But it's like the Chiefs play the beautiful game, man. They really do. And it's yeah. like you got a head coach who seems like 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 your your high school head coach, right? And you seem like a guy like he's this guy like is he a state trooper or is he your your head coach? Like I I don't know. But guess what? He brings the people together. Uh, they got good free agents. Um, they 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 they, they sign mid level veterans. You know he learned from his twenty twelve dream team run. You got to sign these mid-level veterans. You got to build cohesion, and with the injuries from the O line, most teams would have been decimated. And they're fourteen and one. Are you shitting me? And the guys like each other. That's the other part. It's like they get along. They have a head coach that is very serious. Is very like quote unquote boring during his press conferences. But every once in a while, will just give you enough zingers to let you know like he's pretty damn funny. You just don't see that side of his personality all that often. Subtle winks. Yeah, but like I mean, the play- look at his play calling. If you want fun, yeah. like yes. it's <laughs> weekly. You. It's not like Belichick busts out a you know a trick play once every you know eight games or something like that. Andy is constantly finding new fun ways and to Nick- keep 
everybody engaged. Yeah. Exactly. And Nick, how much as a player do the players love the fact that they're always going to have every week a few of those little crazy plays? Oh, how awesome. much does that just keep you on your toes as a player to be like, I enjoy this? It's like, awesome. And, and, and it's not like in the middle of the field. It's where you need to score in the red zone. I love trick plays in the red zone. I'm like, how in the hell has no one ever caught on this? This is where I need trick plays in the red zone. Who gives a shit if, 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 if I get 50 yards in the middle of the field, if I go from like the 20 to the freaking 40, who cares? But guess what? We move the ball and now we need to score a red zone. Let's do all the trick plays in a row. I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's a brilliant concept, to be honest with you. Nick, what are you most proud of from this team this season? Um, okay, as a former O-lineman, uh, you lose your, your, your top left guard. You lose your, your top, one of the top right tackles in the league. Your, your right guard is, is, is going, is Canadian and is, is helping fight the pandemic up in Canada because he's a, a medical doctor. So you lose three of your top O-lineman and you're still balling. Are you shitting me? No. And your third round pick. And yeah, and, and, yeah and, and Lucas yeah. Nyang opts out of the season uh, from TCU off a hip injury, which was kind of a smart move to let the hip injury heal. But mm-hmm. also, we're looking forward to him. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, it, like you lose like that many people, your depth is proper fucked. But let's, uh, man, you are on the, the, one with the language. I don't need to get emails. Yeah. Like just, I don't just care. keep it. I don't care. But I that's do. What it is? I'm forwarding you these emails. Okay, that's what it, you should. You should tell them, but there's no other way to put it. You lose, you lose four guys. You lose four guys who are legit. Two all pros. That's that's what frustrates me though. When you start seeing like, oh, why did they draft a running back at 32? They should have taken an offensive lineman (laughs) because look at all these problems. Like they didn't plan on losing four guys. Come on, like give me a break. So I mean, you see everybody that's like, oh, we got to prioritize offensive line this next offseason. That may be still the case, but they're going to turn quick just by getting yeah. guys back. Right. I, I we'll mean, save that. We'll save these rants for the end. Yes. That's what the end of the show is for. <laughs> for anyone who wants to stick with us. Sorry, we for started that. So, All right. So to, to wrap this one up, my favorite thing or thing that I'm most proud of, um, this is going to sound like self-serving, but I promise you I'll bring it back around is that like we preached Nick and I like on the last show and I worked for the team and we were around these guys and and Matt does it and the people who are around this team do it that these guys were locked in in a different kind of way and we kept saying that even before they won the first Super Bowl that this is just they're wired differently their goals aren't to go win one Super Bowl their goals are to be absolute legends in the history of this game and that's not like some cliche like just stupid thing you say we're talking about the best in the world at what they do right now and the guys at the top of their game so they're very their goals that are within reach so when they go out and win that first Super Bowl it was immediately hey these guys aren't going to celebrate and just step back and be like hey you know it's a COVID season we have every reason in the world to throw a bunch of excuses out there and not lock in the way that they have not just from the players but the coaches the trainers every person who was around those players had to be locked in this year with all the COVID protocols and all the things that they have to do one rogue equipment guy getting COVID screws up the whole thing. I'm serious. It's never yeah. been so true. No, it's so true. everybody having to do this together and to do it after a Super Bowl when they had all the excuses in the world to be like, you know what? We were good. We're just going to th- throw in the towel this year. We're kind of tired. We had a late season, whatever it is. I'm just proud that we kept saying like, hey, these guys are different. And it wasn't just lip service. I wasn't just saying that because I was getting a check signed by the team that was paying me to say this stuff. But like, I honestly believe it by being around those guys. Like these guys are different. Like Tyron Matthew doesn't care about a Super Bowl. He cares about being 
labeled as one of the greatest players to ever live. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. He's just humble about it. He's so young. He doesn't have any clue how special what he's doing right now. He's just going and playing with his friends. So um, that's what that I take away from this regular season is that they backed up. They run it back. They did it when they had every reason and all the excuses to not do that. And I think it says a lot about Coach Reed and the system they had in place because we saw some other teams where – you notice early in the year when everybody's feeling like they're in it, like not a lot of COVID problems. And then late in the season, a lot of teams that started struggling. Next thing you know, they're losing all this stuff uh, and all these other players and people just get tired of following the rules. Like Dwayne Haskins, the country. Oh. <clears throat> <laughs> it's not this pod, not this podcast either. Um, anyway, anyway, don't need that in the, the review section. So um, let's go to the next segment. Craig, why don't you uh, kick us off with your segment? Yeah, this week we got to see a bunch of guys get some first starts of their career, some first snaps of their career in a game that didn't mean anything for the purpose of playoff seeding, realistically only meant stuff for draft seeding. We got to see guys like Bo Pete Keys, seventh round draft pick that the guy that the Chiefs traded back in for, DeAndre Baker, who has had a tumultuous offseason. Get well soon, kid. You know, that's that really sucks. A guy like Tim Ward, Tim Ward from Old Dominion last year that the Chiefs brought in, put on IR. He literally hasn't even played a preseason snap. He got to be called up. He got to play his first offensive snaps of the year. Not only made a tackle for loss and another tackle for no game, made a sack on top of that. He was great. Like, I mean, he looks great because Brett Veach and this front office, they pretty much know what a lot of these guys are from practices, film rooms, stuff like that. But there are guys that once you get them on the field, it's that different switch. You get to see who they really are. You get to see the type of player that they really are. You get a good picture, but seeing the execution is completely different. So for guys like Tim Ward, like this is a lifelong dream that he achieved by getting to go on the field. And then on top of that, he gets to have an excellent game. Against Justin Herbert, the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, it's it's really cool to see stories like that. Stories like Darius Harris, stories like Amari Cobb. These guys that just get to get on the field in these scenarios and play significant minutes against top-shelf NFL competition. And the Chiefs don't have to rely on them to go out and win the game in this scenario. Like, the pressure's gone. Just go out there, show well, show the best of your ability, because you never know if you're playing for the Chiefs, you're playing for another team, but now they've got tape, and that's awesome for those guys because they've got something they can hang their hat on going forward. Absolutely, and 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 talking about like like I, I used to I used to bitch and complain to my my buddies back home in uh, Grapevine, Texas, and I would tell them, and this, we got a week four preseason. This is bullshit. You know, we're gonna whatever. And my buddy was like, dude, I love. I will watch quarter one through quarter four of a week four preseason just to see those guys who who that's their only shot mm-hmm. and you know they might not ever play football again for the rest of their lives and and to see a week four preseason in week 17 so it's like live game reps you're playing the whole game so we get to see it your goes in the books body work yes yeah, yeah. It goes, it those does. stats are down there forever it does yeah. and, and and it's 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 like you're playing for 31 other teams because you might not be on kansas City next year but you want to show out and it was really cool to see. Like, I'll definitely echo what you said, Craig. Man, it's it's cool to see. And I was looking. I'm like, Ward, Ward. Who's Ward? Why did he just get a say? I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. In my whole life. He, he's the, the biggest, biggest guy on the field on yes, the team. Massive. With Tano Passigno playing yes. across from him. Yes. I think 
Craig, we can just be outward with this. It's my podcast, so I'm going to just be honest about like stuff. Like You and I have been speaking on the phone probably three or four days a week for like the last six years when I was working for the Chiefs. <laughs> How often yeah. did I bring up Tim Ward and Darius Harris over the last three years? Oh, probably weekly over the last three years. Yes. They, the guys, I knew they were just guys yeah. that they were just lottery. I know to seal Kent's term, but they're lottery tickets. They were guys who yeah. would have been drafted the year that they came out, but they were injured. Darius Harris and Tim Ward in the same boat. Those guys, they were, I never mentioned one without the other. They were the mm-hmm. same, like different positions, but like the same situation. And guys that were banged up coming out of college, they didn't get drafted. The Chiefs signed them as UDFAs, and they've just been around for two or three years. Um, never really gotten that opportunity to go out there and play. So uh, I thought it was funny when you were talking about Tim Ward. I was like, I know you know that we've been talking about. I talked about Darius Harris, I guess, more than Tim Ward. But uh, it was great to see them run around and play. I saw him make a couple plays last week. But uh, I like what you guys said regarding uh, kind of treating it like the fourth preseason game. And um, outside, you know, both of the players, all the players that you guys both talked about, the one that I was excited about, uh, not necessarily the rookies. I want the guys who have been here for a few years, who've been busting their tail, that were a part of like the practice squad scout teams. So for me, the guy was Garrick Dieter. And I know he just finished with, I think he had a f- couple of targets in this game. I know he had the, the offensive pass interference, but for a guy who gets a lot of crap, is just, you know, the first couple of years, oh, he's just here because he's Patrick Mahomes' friend, which is fucking annoying sorry for swearing i'll put a dollar in the swear jar too but the guy Set comes out the here same email all right you owe five dollars i owe one nick all right so we'll donate it to ch- we'll donate it to some we'll do something nice for something if you send me an email Correct. tell me where to send it and i'll send some barbecue to someone uh that's what this feed it forward will be this week but you know for a guy like eric dieter that has been selfless has busted his tail who's worked just as hard as sammy watkins as mccall hardman as tyree kill he's at every workout he's at all the practices he just doesn't get the glory of going out on the field on game day and scoring touchdowns and so as cool as it was for those guys that you're mentioning i see the guys that are just right on the precipice like right on the line uh, they get called up a little bit and they play a little special teams and they go back down they just go back and forth and back and forth for him to get another opportunity and like i said i know he just had i think ended up with like one catch um it was just cool to see him get that opportunity i know it probably meant a lot to his family um for him to get that opportunity because he's busted his tail for so long um that that's great to see uh, him get that opportunity as well uh, i i 100 agree it's just so cool to, to, to see that and just really right. awesome nick let's move on to your topic Ooh. let's get weird people henny now, henny to yelder and so, you said it, it looks just like, or I'm not, I don't want to put words say in that. your mouth. Don't just you dare. Okay. This is very, this is very, this is very important. So why don't you just explain this take? So I was watching this game and it's like, you see Henny, he's like, you go through this progression, like, oh, Yelder, boom. And I'm like, oh, did jumpstart this offense? And remember I did this number and it looked like I was pressing the, the TNT button on a Wiley Coyote uh, Roadrunner cartoon. But it was like the paddles to get the offense going. Like here's the like let's jump start like this offense. And I feel like this season, it's like Mahomes like felt uncomfortable until he got Kelsey. He threw a pass to Kelsey and like, okay. <sighs> okay, cool. It was like it was like when you take a cigarette and you go, Okay, cool. Like I'm good now. Okay, so now we're in this game. And it was the same thing with Henny to Yelder. Like there was a, a couple of connections, and I'm like, okay, they made a, a couple of conversions, they made a couple of passes, and I'm like, huh, is this offense built off of that? Like you need that read to a tight end to sort of like get the game going to, to revive things, and it's like opens it up. Is is that like your safety throw? Is that like your blanket? And so and yeah, and I 
yeah. safe throws to the tight end gets offense going. I, it does. <laughs> it's weird. It's like Romo to win. I'm trying to be. No, it's like Romo to win. No, jerk. don't be. Don't be. You can be whatever you want, dude. I'll bounce off it. Rubber. Glue I'm not naturally a mean person. I try to say something <laughs> mean. It. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do it. I'm sorry. Do it. But it's like Romo to Witten in the red zone. Like, really, Romo? You let Witten score whatever for Romo. But no, it, it was cool. And and I've had love for for Yelder since either last yeah. last preseason mm-hmm. when it was like yeah. week three. And he was special teams, and he went in arms first on a punt, on a punt return. The punt return muffed it, and he went in arms first. And I'm like, there's you a guy 15 who— 15 minutes. You spent 15 minutes breaking that down. <laughs> I did. That was awesome. So, no, I'm saying. I, like, I remember yeah. that. No, it's a key piece. Yeah, yeah it is key. The opposite, the opposite of is. alligator arms, like full yeah, extension correct. into a pile. It yeah, wasn't Cam Newton at Super Bowl when he was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> but there's a guy there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's somebody I could hurt myself, but it's, it was like when I jumped there. But 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 you have to set up. So like as a player, I, I can relate. It's third preseason. Dion Yelder's probably going to make the team, right? So you don't have to do this. But his instincts were so natural and so quick to be like sacrifice. I want this ball, and I'm like, that's 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 who you want on your team. As cats who are willing to sacrifice to get a possession, to catch an yeah. extra possession. It's I've a mindset had, thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, look. Yeah, okay. I, since it's not a whole discussion, Craig, what looked natural to you today? Like, what just looked right to you with a young player who went out there? And I know you pay attention, you chart stuff during the games. What looked natural to you out there? I, I think it's it's pretty seamless, his his vertical route running ability. Like, I feel like, it, like they ran him on a couple wheel routes, a couple seam routes, things like that. It, and it seemed like the safeties were a little bit surprised by Yelder's ability to get vertical on that. I, he wasn't necessarily hit on some of those. He actually made two great plays on the ball to save interceptions on a couple of vertical no. routes as well. It just feels very effortless. Like, we know he's a good blocker, but that, that route running ability, that ability to stretch up the seam there is, is frankly, it's really good. It's very natural for him. I know tight end two is the position that we get on our podcast a lot of questions about because everybody wants to know, Who's going to line up opposite of Kelsey? Who's going to replace Kelsey in the future? And they always want that Kyle guy Pitts. on the field. Kyle Pitts. Okay. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> we can get into the draft if we want to. Anyway. No. Uh, but Dion Yelder is. You guys uh, are talking about kind soccer, of, Nick. Pipe down. Di- <laughs> that kind of <laughs> dynamic vertical guy that I think a lot of Chiefs fans don't really realize that they already have on the roster. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a cool thing. When you're in the same room as Travis Kelsey, and especially when it's like like O-line's difference, there's like 10 guys. But when you're like tight end room, there's like four guys, maybe five guys. And it, and if you get that, like, and they usually partner up with the wide receivers. They break off of their own sometimes. They might go with the running back sometimes. Um, to have Travis Kelsey in your same room, they're Deion Yelder. You know, you're picking his brain. You're saying, what, what makes him good? I'm going to borrow from that. And there's some sort of crossover carryover infection like sort of like okay i i can borrow from his confidence and i can bring that into my game and that's what deon yelder's learning right now yeah we can't also not mention darwin thompson uh with the game that he had he had over 100 scrimmage yards uh over 100 yards from scrimmage in this game 65 receiving 45 yards on the ground with a couple of touchdowns and for a guy we don't spend a ton of time but for a guy earlier in the year just kind of tweeting through it when the Le'Veon Bell was picked up, if anybody remembers. Uh, he just kind of felt for the kid, and 
and that's what I, I kind of love about social media in that time is a lot of people were saying, hey, keep your head up. That's just how he expressed himself and how he was feeling in that moment. And to see him get this opportunity and put up some good numbers against, you know, a number one defense. This wasn't the fourth preseason game, some meaningless game. It was against um, the Chargers. So it was great to see him get that opportunity, um, knowing that uh, it had to have been disappointing when the Chiefs picked up Le'Veon Bell and he kind of became the odd man out as Darrell Williams got a lot of time as a third down back. So it was great. To, it was nice to see him do that. And uh, and Nick, I know you got your hand up. Do you want to talk about Byron Pringle or do you want to talk about Darwin Thompson? No, I want to talk about Darwin Thompson because I, I, I want to okay. put out there. If, if you talk about Darwin Thompson, I, I absolutely hate and I want to punch sports writers when they say Darwin Thompson is not a between-the-tackles runner. Ooh. That is the dumbest concept I've ever <laughs> heard in my life. If you're a running back, you will run the ball wherever it's called. I am taking wherever. that clip. I'm taking what you just said. I'm taking what you just Do said. It. And I'm going to find whatever local, writer, whatever local writer – used as this tomorrow when we read it i'm going to take this clip and then i'm going to put their writing over it and just spotlight it and then just tag nick and tag that writer and say pisses me off it pisses me off he's fearless i can't believe that we are this far into the podcast and neither one of you two has talked about byron pringle yet byron pringle we have another phenomenal game craig i expect greatness we have have i expect greatness out of him he was the next guy he was the next man out of that Legion of Zoom video, which, by the way, Dan Van Wy, Dan Van Wy and Luke Benna did a phenomenal job on that video. So anybody who is listening uh, who hasn't seen the Legion of Zoom special, the Kingdom Short that came from uh, the Chiefs official, it's on their YouTube. I'm sure it's on their Facebook. I watched it on their YouTube channel um, last night. It is a phenomenal, uh, just kind of like quick 16, 18 minutes, whatever it was, just like history of the Legion of Zoom, the nickname, all of it. It's what I'm going to show my kids in like 20 years. It's a perfect way uh, to remember this time and this group of people uh, and those four receivers that are considered in the Legion of Zoom. And they had to come up with all the criteria to not make anyone feel bad about not being in it. (laughs) And then Byron Pringle's all pissed off and he was trying to get his five touchdowns to get in there because I know he runs a 4-4. Quick, faster. Oh, he's fast. He's fast. Yeah. He's fast. Don't yeah. don't, don't bring up Byron Pringle. Yeah, don't bring up Byron Pringle. So I was I was under I was disappointed with how he was underutilized at K State. But to me, you want to talk about a guy who who if you're a future wide receiver in the NFL, how do you make a name for yourself? Special teams mm-hmm. first, right? Mm-hmm. Earn, earn your way on special teams, and then slowly work your way in the offense by blocking downfield without getting penalties. Uh, catching the ball when you have to and tonight was like the best like utilization ever is being heads up when you're not targeted Mm -hmm. that catch near the end zone are you kidding me i was like that's k-state football is heads up smart iq football that's it craig go ahead and and gloss all over our guy i mean the downfield blocking that he had Stupid. on that early Dom, Darwin Thompson screen was uh, was yeah. incredible. You see Andy Reid. I mean, Byron Pringle's active every yeah. week, and he's playing special teams every week, and you will see a lot of short yardage situations, red zone you know, situations. Byron Pringle's the wide receiver that they trot out there because they know mm-hmm. if it bounces outside that he's going to lock a guy up and he's going to do his job as a blocker. That doesn't mean that these other guys aren't good blockers. That just it is a testament to what Byron Pringle brings. I I love watching him run with the ball in his hands. Like mm-hmm. That late play where he just kept it going, making guys miss in the open field, dragging guys forward. 
that's what it's he kinda is. Like it, it it is, is kind of like Sammy. It is kind of like Sammy, the way that he gets the football in his hands and starts running like that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Dion Yelder, infectious from Ch- Kelsey. Like, same thing in yeah. the wide receiver room. Yeah. Watch, like, like to me, like if, if anybody says like, who do you love as a wide receiver? And I'm like, low key, Sammy Watkins does like a metamorphosis when he catches the ball. He's like, okay, and I'm going to shift into running mm-hmm. back mode. Uh, you know what? You know, I'm going to shift yeah. into fullback no. mode with yeah. speed because <laughs> he looks for contact. You know, he absolutely mm-hmm. looks for contact. And I'm like, Sammy Watkins is, is he's, he, he runs like DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. He runs he, like, like, Larry, yeah. like Derrick Henry, like Derrick Henry. That's, that's what he runs like. Sammy right, Watkins Pringle with finished. the ball in his hand. Yeah. Pringle finished with four catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. And uh, I know that people were making these big predictions after the game of, you know, this means that so-and-so should get more opportunities in the playoffs and this and this and this. But I think I don't know about any more opportunities, but I feel a lot more comfortable if 13's out there running around based on what he did, um, mm-hmm. locking guys up and making plays when the ball was thrown his direction. Um, and I know that uh, we asked, before we get into the last segment, um, we did put out on social media if anybody's got uh, any questions for us. And Nick, one of the questions, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick, who it's from. I want to be able to say exactly yes. who this question Receipts is are needed. Got to get them. That's yes, right. I know that the question was about the stories about getting our Super Bowl rings. Mm. Uh, James Partridge asked this question. He said, stories about receiving your Super Bowl rings. Nick, I'll have you go first because mine's really not that exciting. You didn't I want me to go first, you guys? You, go, you don't <laughs> Sorry, want me? Craig. Oh, okay. Craig, okay did you have a story? You no, I'll tell you, I'll take a back seat on this one, you guys. You got it. <laughs> I'll give you the one about Neiman, okay? Oh. So um, uh, ours was in um, like – like June in New Orleans and uh, rented out this hotel space uh, and uh, we just got them and uh, Tiffany made ours. I thought it was really cool because um, I felt like um, I felt like like a woman getting her engagement ring or something like that when you get like the blue box, like the blue Tiffany box <laughs> with like like the ribbon on it and you know, and I'm like, this is really cool and it was just really cool like because one of those things where like in the moment I realized like how like jesus christ like damn reno never got this shit like mm-hmm. this is big time you know this is like and you realize how how lucky like it's a truly lucky thing because like things have to come together at the right time people have to get injured at different times or it doesn't affect you you know things like that you got you gotta you know kind of make do with what you got and it was really cool like just just how things came together to win uh, like, I mean, I remember we did a dinner in New Orleans with this like, like family who bought us at an auction, some of us O-linemen and they were like, Oh, check out the song. And it was like, you know, saints are going, it was party in the USA, but it was party in MIA, mm-hmm. right? A little remix. And they mm-hmm. were like, and, and the fans, I remember like the fans believing before us and we were like nine and no, and the fans were like, yeah, we're doing this. And I'm like, okay, I guess we can, you know, cause you truly <laughs> live in the moment, but the ring ceremony was was really cool. It was a really, really cool thing that I realized in the moment. That's awesome. Mine wasn't as exciting because I had already put my notice in to leave the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, was, <laughs> I was not working there anymore, so I was not uh, a part of the uh, celebration uh, that they had, which for the players was like broadcast. I think everybody watched that because McColl dropped his ring. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went. 
about I think they picked up theirs on like a Tuesday. Like the players got a Monday. I think the staff got them like the next day on like Tuesday. They did like a everybody drives through in a very COVID style and they hand you your ring. And then uh, some of my coworkers got together and, and hung out with their rings. But um, I got mine like that Thursday, like a couple of days later. Um, there were everyone that had left the organization or wasn't working there anymore. Um, they had them all like waiting for us. So I went and uh, Kirsten Krug, uh, who's the VP of administration of HR for the Chiefs, had come down. Matt McMullen, the team reporter there, came down and met me in the parking lot. It's kind of outside the practice facility in the parking lot. Just kind of said, here. Uh, I got it. And then there's a picture of me on Instagram with me kind of like holding my hand like that. And that was right when I got it. Um, so it was cool. I think it's it's a little different for me in the ring just because I didn't play. Uh, so it kind of feels weird to be like, hey, look what I earned. It's like I was a part of it. So for me, it's more about being a part as a somebody who grew up a Chiefs fan, like being a part of that journey. Um, and that's kind of what the ring represents. Like for you guys, it's like this symbol of your entire life's work. And for me, it was kind of a symbol of my friends, the people that I worked with and being able to represent and be one of a fan and get the opportunity to be down on the sideline. Cause that's where, you know, a lot of people wanted to be and kind of my journey, uh, which Craig knows a lot about. And for people listening, probably know like, that's what it represents to me. Um, it's like those local Emmys over your shoulder, BJ. Like those, those are important. No, I'm, I'm genuine. I'm trying to be genuine. I'm sorry you said local Emmys. Why would you say they are? They're, 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 I know what they you are. You have to. You have to because it just you can't say Emmy. I didn't mean it as a slight, but I mean, yeah, no, you, got, you have to. You got, it's a thing. You got. It's a thing. Where's where's you can't got. say like oh I won seven Emmys like I won it's seven an Emmy. American I Emmys. would never know I would never know they you are in this business you do in this business you do because there's like <laughs> multiple chapters of like winning Emmys it doesn't make it any less cool that like seven it states awesome. it's like really cool Wait, hold so on. Awesome. is that, is that more hey, special than others a couple of those that, are more special than others is that record of the year or is that album of the year local Emmy like I don't you know like I don't Listen, even like, beat, they, they don't know. BJ could sling it a little bit. He'll, I know he can. Yeah. I know it can. <laughs> Absolutely. He's making he fun can. of me. No, no I'm, I'm not. Fun of I am definitely not making fun of your <laughs> local Emmys. Definitely not. Those are amazing. But I don't have one. Hey, look, I, like, I don't have any of that shit. I'm looking at. I have no. You're gonna, no, whatever. Nothing. You played. You were an All-American at K-State. You got to go to the Playboy Mansion in college. I didn't go to the Playboy point. Mansion, for Christ's sakes. I'd still be there. I went to Arizona. Oh, that's right. I've heard the, the Playboy All American was in was in Scottsdale, Arizona hotel, and there was no bunnies because Cade McNown ruined that because he's an ass. <laughs> that's, I wasn't. Gonna, I didn't think you were going to say his name. You wouldn't do it before. I'll blast him. I'll blast him now. I don't care because I'm pissed. I'm so protective of like he not ruin. He ruined my shot. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Well, now I don't feel like being genuine about these movies <laughs> anymore. I feel like we've got a story, but yeah. Let's talk about my local Emmys, my fake Lombardi over here. What? No. no. They count, man. They ca- Those local Emmys Copy are trophy. you and the people that you worked with doing yeah. an awesome job A and celebrating. Job. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Honestly, like, like, the one that yeah. we won, the one that we won last year that um, all of us on Field Pass, the pregame show, mm-hmm. meant everything because that was the one that we won for like the Super Bowl season. And for there to be some representative of 
you being good at your job for fans during the greatest season in the last 50 years means something. And so, like, mm-hmm. that's what it means to me is, hey, I did my job pretty well on this one show, at least, <laughs> this one thing. Uh, there's some proof that, hey, I wasn't bad at this. Uh, especially now as somebody – Especially now, somebody's like, "I'm not going to do that anymore." Like, yeah. that's not what I'm doing. It wasn't. But that's the path what I'm saying. I was like, to go on. You look at the ring and you're like, "Well, I didn't play or anything like that." You got you got a trophy behind you that shows exactly what you did for this yeah. team and the right, recognition that, for it. Anyway, thank you, Craig. That's not what yeah. we need to talk about. Let's talk. Hey, let's no, talk hold on, hold on. Hey, BJ. I would also like to say that that I think it takes a village. And we're a bunch of we're a bunch of idiots players, and without the everyone else working as hard as they can to do their own job, then shit wouldn't get done. Because I mean, I know guys were late to the plane, and I'm like, how the hell are you late to a plane? You had one job <laughs> as a player is <laughs> don't be late to the plane. So, I wasn't sure where you're going with that. It takes. A I'm not going to be. So. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, are you going to say that the in-house media department helps you win football games I respect because I'm yes. pretty sure the only thing they ever told us was we have two jobs win football games and make money well, and if well, what you want to do doesn't fit in one of those things then you have some explaining to do or you need to put your energy elsewhere did you hear my story oh. about the fans at the dinner like they believe before us and sometimes you, f- you like a lot of times you feed off that fan energy and it's like when you get like a feel for that it's like Oh shit, we're really good. We can do this. Okay, cool. You need that little bit of motivation. Yeah. Right? That, You're talking that to two guys that were grinding out daily content back in 2011, 2012. Who was the quarterback? Who was the quarterback then? Uh, that, I started Kyle with Matt Castle. I love Castle. I remember writing articles about how Kyle Orton was we're going to turn it around for us because Yeah. Got to get him Yeah, out I wrote there. about the defense during the Tyler Palco years. So, yeah. It was I blame Tyler Joel Palco, Foreman for the yeah. title, but I wrote an article about Tyler Wilson being our quarterback. Yeah. See? You got to relive those days because you know what? Like it's a, it's a quote oh, from it's still Vanilla, out there. It's, it's a quote from Vanilla Sky. <laughs> and and it's, I think it's homeboy from My Name is Earl. I forget his name. But it's sweet and sour, right? And you can't truly taste the sweet without the sour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like yeah. I think everyone remembers like the first Super Bowl in a long time. And the rest will be like, yes, that's great. But the first one to get back on there, especially what happened the year before, it's like, hmm. That's a great segue, talking about sweet and sour, because, uh, and we're not talking about sweet and sour pork. Sorry, Coach Reed. But he doesn't <laughs> listen to this. I don't know why yes, I said he that. Yes, he does. Uh, he has so much time. He doesn't listen to anything. He's drawing up plays for the Super Bowl. Um, He's watching 1940s uh, I have no idea how this segment's going to go, so I appreciate everyone for listening. Craig's sitting there getting nervous. But, like, there's – I want to talk about different ways to fan because we've spent a lot of time on the show talking about it's never going to be better than this for Chiefs fans right now. And, Craig, you and I have spoke about this on the phone a lot. So a lot. We've had this – we're repeating conversations we have all the time. Um, and, Nick, you and I have had this conversation as well. Like, there's so many different ways to fan – and for Chiefs fans, we've preached, you know, be where your feet are, all those cliches and things that I say. Um, other people say similar things that mean similar, that mean the same thing. Just, it's never going to be better than this. So when you get on social media and people are negative and they're being picky and they're just being generally just negative, it bothers me because it's never going to be better than this. But at the same time, I'm trying not to be preachy and say, hey, that's not how you should fan. Nobody should tell another fan how to fan right. and how to enjoy this ride. I just – and I don't want to say I judge people, but I question somebody who wants to enjoy the best it's ever going to be by constantly tearing down why it's not absolutely perfect 
while you're winning football games. So you can talk about Ben Neme, talk about McCole Hardman, and all these questions about Dave Tobe, when's McCole Hardman going to look? You know why when McCole Hardman's going to look? He's the best guy at practice every day for the thousands of hours they've been out on the field that he's proven he's the guy that should be back there. And because he makes a couple of mistakes, everyone's like, what the hell is he doing? Does this guy even know how to coach? No, he doesn't. He's just going to ignore the other thousands of hours worth of work he did. It's going to make me mad. But, Craig, I want to ask you about this because you get a lot of mail, and I'm sorry for putting you on blast. But yeah, I don't know mail? If you, talk you about get this. mail? I don't know if you talk about this stuff, but you people are not thrilled with it, and it drives me freaking crazy because it's never going to be – it's one thing to be negative when you're 2-14, and 14, and we did that for so long. We don't have to do that now. We don't have to live in that world. We can be happy and be happy with a three-point win over a 500 team because you know what? That was their best damn shot, and we're not making this stuff up. They won the mm. game. Every game is difficult any given Sunday. There is parity in this league better than any other team in the league. Fucking Eagles were playing the Super Bowl three years ago, and now... Where are they? Dolphins. I mean, seriously. Yeah, they're playing their third-string quarterback tonight. I mean, it's... Yeah. I think people forget sometimes how fucking hard it is to win in the NFL. Like, this is not something that just you get to cakewalk through. And this team largely has. Like... But with a couple of exceptions this year, they've been able to build big leads and do all this. But you wouldn't be able to tell if you were to sit back and read game day Twitter, not even necessarily game day Twitter. I get people are emotional on game day and reactionary and everything like that. But during the week, all of a sudden you've got people talking about, you know, this guy's making this amount of money and he's not doing this. This guy's not doing this. This guy, we think this guy is better than this and this and this. You know, go forward and questioning literally every single thing that's happening with this team. Like BJ said, like we get questions on our podcast all the time about people saying, hey, why isn't Willie Gay Jr. playing over Ben Neiman right now? It's like, well, we've tried to answer it to the best of our ability. We're obviously not sitting in the room, but we see what we see on the film and make criticisms, not trying to run a guy down, but criticism saying this is what this guy does well, this is what this guy does well, and they trust this guy because of this. Ben Neiman's on the field because he knows the play calls. Because Steve Spagnolo and Matt House trust him to get out there, call the dime defense, do what he needs to do. And I think you see that when guys, when they're on that third guy, that fourth guy, when they're having to dig real deep into there, all of a sudden those guys that you're clamoring for, the guys that are very obviously better than the guys in front of them, all of a sudden you're looking at them and you're going, oh, okay, maybe that's why. Oh, maybe the coach knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe the guy that's paid practice. a lot of money. It's one of those Sorry. things that as we go through week by week of a 14-2 and two team and the number one seed with the bye, with the best player in the world and arguably the best coach in the world and honestly, a better defense than the one that they won the Super Bowl with last year. They're going into this playoffs looking pretty damn good, and we just spend so much time worrying about an inevitable loss rather Nick, than can, enjoying sorry. what's happening right at the time. I want to make one quick point on the contract stuff because this does bother me. Contracts are based on the market. 
contracts are based on the market. Not everybody becomes a free agent at the same time and the money's divvied out, divvied out evenly. So if we're going to call players selfish like Chris Jones, where I tweeted out, yeah, it would be nice if the Chiefs would just give him his million-dollar bonus and let him sit. That way they don't put him in a position where he feels like I am either being selfish by going after the contract that you had me sign that everyone's – all fans are saying, well, that's what's in his contract. Okay, well, then there has to be an individual aspect to letting him go out and play in week 17 to try to attach or hit Mm -hmm. these incentives that are in there. It works both ways. And it drives me crazy when people say, well, he should have attained that. Well, yeah, give him the contract, let him play in this game, which puts him in a horrible position, puts Coach Reed in a horrible position. I guarantee you Coach Reed didn't tell him, you're not playing, I don't care about your contract, because – Players wouldn't like Coach Reed if he had coach that kind of Reed attitude. Wants, coach Reed is a player's coach. He's right? not going to tell anybody how to handle yeah. his business, and I'm not going to pretend to know any backstory of what's going on. I can just tell you that if you're saying that Chris Jones is getting overpaid right now, then where was that energy <laughs> when he was making $700,000 a year and he was worth $15 million a year? He's still worth more money. He still should get back pay for the seven hundred grand he was making the first three years of his career. And everyone called him selfish for holding out. And then he gets franchise tagged, and he's like, well, why didn't he sign for $30 million? He was holding out for $45. Oh, he's selfish. And now he's selfish because Adam Schefter puts out a tweet saying, this is his incentive. And fans take it as Chris Jones texted Adam Schefter saying, fuck these assholes. <laughs> I want to play so I can get paid. Like, that's how fans take it. And it's like, at what point can this player not be selfish? We shouldn't incentivize individual stats in the first place when it's a team game. I don't like that in the beginning, but teams do it because it's a way to not pay the player. Right off the bat. Let's be honest about it. So pay him the money or a million dollars is not a lot of money. But this whole, well, he didn't earn it. He didn't live up to his contract. He did three years ago and he was getting underpaid and you were calling him selfish because he was holding out. Pick one. If you're on the team side and everybody's selfish, hold him to a contract. That's fine. But don't call the player selfish. Then when he holds out the only time he has leverage in his entire career. No. And, and, and to me, as a former offensive lineman, you know, what I loved I love D Lyman who have been paid. You know what I didn't like? <laughs> D Lyman in the contract year. <laughs> and and you know and you know what was was cool as shit to me was this week is like Chris Jones is sweating a million bucks and you know what? Look at yourself as a normal person. He's got perspective. He's got people around him who ground him, you know, people who are real. And he's hungry, man. He wants he wants his money, man. And you know what? Like, that doesn't make like, him selfish. No, 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 no. Okay, it's look, a million listen, dollars. Listen, 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 listen. When you're 10 years old, right, and you're playing football in the schoolyard, right, who the hell lines up and puts her hand in dirt and says, I'm going to be the D-tackle? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Who puts her hand in dirt and says, I'm an O-lineman? Nobody. Guess what? You, you were an O-lineman or a D-lineman because you're good at it and, and you like the work and it's it's something you know it's it's a good profession right and i love a dude who's still hungry as hell to make a mill for some sacks you and know what it, hungry d linemen are the worst d linemen to face the worst and, and craig i want to ask you this question because this came up a lot and and it it's a it's a cyclical argument and it's never it's pointless at this point but incentivizing sacks and i understand it's in the contract so you go it's in the contract what have you seen from Chris Jones as far as staying inside of the scheme from what you understand the scheme to be? I understand there's, there's holes here. But I don't like incentivizing players to financially be rewarded by playing outside of the scheme to jump out of his gap to try to get a sack when that's not necessarily what he's supposed to do. 
So what have you seen from Chris after he's gotten paid as far as him staying within the scheme this year compared to years past? I, Chris is very well within the scheme to my understanding. Obviously, I, you know, I'm not in that film room. I don't know what's going on with, you know, you pay Brendan attention daily. Though. I pay But he's staying within what Steve Spagnuolo largely wants him to do. I feel like he's done a better job of it this year than he did last year. Here's the thing with incentivizing sacks in a Steve Spagnuolo scheme. Spagnuolo's blitzing 35 <laughs> to 40% of the game. He's sending guys from condensed formations out of the slot. He's sending guys from the second level. He's sending safeties that are aligned 15 yards back on delayed blitzes. Sometimes your job is to occupy a rush lane and clear it wide open so that somebody else can keep can hold an offensive line so the offensive line can't rotate late and pick up the blitz. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. So, so you're telling me somebody's pure skill set and their dominance in offensive lines needing to kind of game plan for him and then opening or opening him up mm -hmm. situations around him for guys to make plays. I was told that he took five games off and he wasn't trying because he doesn't care because he already got paid. No, no. That, those are the same people that also told me at the start of last year that Frank Clark was not quote-unquote, worth the amount of money that they were paying. We don't have time to bring though, up Frank. Leave Frank Even alone. though offenses were, like, ignoring half the field because Frank was over there. Anyway, <laughs> the point, yeah. point Leave is... Leave Frank alone. Yes. Chris Jones is doing his job keeping rush lanes and opening things up for other guys. Now... Occupying O-linemen. Yes. Who are giving him tons of attention. Double teams because he's an elite player. We saw the last time that we saw Chris Jones against Atlanta. Atlanta decided, hey, maybe we can get away with a few more one-on-ones on Chris Jones. Guess what you saw? You saw Chris Jones wreck their game plan. Before that, against New Orleans, they tried to give him a little more one-on-ones, wreck their game plan. The game before that, double teams. Now all of a sudden, other guys are coming through. Spagnuolo's adjusting to play off of that. So... It's not from this pure standpoint of you look at he only had this many sacks this year, so obviously he was worse. You don't know what they're trying to do with the scheme. It doesn't take into account all of the things that he does as a player and what everybody on that defensive line does as players to set other things up, especially in a scheme like Spagnolo's that is so blitz heavy. Nick, I want to get your perspective on this whole fan thing, though, not to like completely get it back to where we were, because Craig, look at it, Craig and I are kind of coming from the same place because we are Chiefs fans that found a blog, that found a way to interact with other Chiefs fans. We yeah. know we, what we don't know. That's why I love talking to him. That's why we are such good friends. And we can talk football is that he knows more about the game than I do. We both know we don't know much, but we can still talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we can I, still don't know, I don't know hardly anything. Yeah, but we can still have an intelligent conversation <laughs> without knowing everything about it, just from the humility of knowing what we don't know. And that's what I love about it. That was kind of the, the way that we brought up, like, that we've been fanning over, like, the last 10 years. Um, but for you as a former player, how do you feel, like, I know it's, like, a loaded question. I'm not asking you to, like, no, trash on not, fans for being jackasses on Twitter. But, like, <laughs> they what are, do you think? <laughs> but what do you just think about, like, the fans who just have strong opinions? Like, fans are allowed to have their opinions, and that is completely true. They have a right to get on Twitter and to blast and yes. say whatever they want. Yes. Yes. But there's also a fine line for me, and depending upon what you say, and Craig's heard me say this so many times, is, like, there's a fine line that you can walk of sharing your opinion and then 
assuming either false narratives are true, which drives me crazy, more crazy than anything else. There <laughs> yes. are enough things in Chiefs history that people just think it's one thing and it's freaking another. And I can't say anything because it's not my job and I don't want to cause controversy, which well, not trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but Nick, for you, like how fan, how do fans fan, especially with a team that's as good as the Chiefs are right now? I don't know how else oh. to ask that. All right, so so to me, the, 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 I'll answer the first question about Frank Clark, then I'll do the fan thing. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, Chris Jones. So as an interior O-lineman, as a, as a guard, center guard, not having Chris Jones in the lineup would be like, <sighs> thank God. <laughs> you know, like when you see him on the inactive list or whatever, you're like, thank God. Because it's like, he he frightens me. I haven't played since, you know, preseason 2010. He strikes fear into my heart right now because he's such a wrecker of pass protections, right? Where he would be that guy where he would be what's considered a blue dot. And a blue dot, nobody gets a blue dot. I- I've seen a couple blue dots, and that was like um, um, a New England guy in his prime uh, from Miami, Seymour? Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork. Oh, Richard Seymour. Okay. You know, before he went to the Raiders, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jenkins, maybe at Carolina. Those those are blue dot interior D linemen. Where where it's like, hey, here here's our rule. Um, Haloti, yeah, Haloti Nata in his prime too yeah. with the Ravens for sure. Um, here's a rule: we have a jet right. We're gonna four down. We're gonna go the will. But guess what? Today or this week only, we're gonna go four down will. But as a center, you know what? When you see uh, Nata. You're gonna to slide to him. You need to see Will Fork, you're gonna to slide to him. You're gonna see, you know, um, Jenkins, you slide to him. Um, you know, you're gonna see uh, Chiefs guy, I mean, slide to him, right? You're gonna hand help late with him. And it's like to have that where you have these guys who are rule breakers, that says it all. That mm-hmm. says it all. Where you have to focus, you have to change your rules, your tried and true rules to get that. It's it's stupid. And, and, and to me, like, I don't know how many times I've responded to people's tweets and deleted them just because there's not enough time to explain to idiots the concept of pass protection. It's just, just I, I swear to God, you guys, I have deleted. I can't imagine. Tweets. I can't imagine tweets. a former player. I can't imagine. hundred tweets. I want to slam dunk on people so bad, but I just I don't want to do that. But but there is a lot of things. But but to me, that that's the thing with him. And it's like, God dang, Chris Jones. It's like he's that guy right now. Like you look at a guy mm-hmm. like to me, top D lineman in the league, top inter D lineman, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones. Right? That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And everybody else, yeah. as you who truly strike fear into my heart, as as a retired, ten years out offense lineman. Those and I'm like, like we got to witness the brilliance, right? And then don't even get me started on, on Frank Clark. Like just yeah, don't you give me about, it, yeah. Wait, Di- what, discipline. We don't discipline DNs. We don't need another hour long to we this don't, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. Yeah. Frank Clark's been on our team for two years. We've been in one seed for two years, and we won a Super Bowl. That's yeah. all that matters. That's yeah. all that people hey, are going to remember. Hey, 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 we could do a, another podcast, uh, and Craig, you be a part of this about the difference that Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, their attitude. Oof. With oh. this defense and how it just changed the whole complexity of this whole defense, man. We can talk about mm. a D end who's disciplined, who ain't chasing sacks, who who's staying in the rush lines. You don't get that shit anymore, man. D nope. ends are trying to make their money. They're trying to get sacks. You yep. know, it's tough to be disciplined when it's like, man, he's calling because a play. of contract incentives. Correct. Because Correct. that stuff's in there. Yep. Correct. 
And 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 I almost agree with the, the head of PFF, where it said sacks they're not irrelevant because they can change a game, they can start stuff. But like you guys start looking at pressures and QB hits, and you know it's like oh it's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. Um... <laughs> Thank you for coming, to my TED talk. We we, we yes. went off the rails there. BJ. We did. We went <laughs> we off the did. rails. We did. I, I don't know how to bring it back. To any, I don't know how to bring it back to anything. Right now, other than telling, having an open discussion with fans about how to fan, we saw McCole Hardman tweeted out something tonight that fans are getting upset about because he says that fans that get on Twitter that say negative things to the players, and from the players' point of point of view, you know, I can't say that I. This is the part that I don't like because there there are more good fans, good fans. There are more good people that support these guys no matter what and have the mindset that all of us do. Then there are negative, these people who just want to pick everything apart. And so for some of them, that's just the way they enjoy it. But those people tend to be the ones on Twitter that tag the players. And how many guys is it going to take? Like the Tyron Matthew exchange that I had where like a fan was negative about something. I was just like, just enjoy the win. Like they won. It wasn't 100 to nothing. Like who gives – like they won the football game. Um, they're still the best team in the league. And so – to go back and forth, like how many fans have to be negative in their mentions before they just say it's enough that it pisses me off and I don't want to see it. Like, I honestly ask that question to yourself. You get on Twitter. How many people have to be negative? Something do you say before you just say, screw that? I don't believe like they get off five or six. And we're talking about mm-hmm. guys with a million, two million followers. And some of them are not even Chiefs fans. And they can't you drop sort one them all pass. Out. And all of a sudden, you've got <laughs> 43,000 mentions talking about how terrible you are. One pass. We Ugh. talked about it earlier. What game was it? The Raiders game where Nick Kaiser dropped the pass and everybody was just cutting him. And I was like, that poor freaking kid has been working his tail off his entire life for that moment. And he drops the ball and he wants to get on. Like, I understand that you got to make the play. Like, I understand all that. I'm not sure. trying to defend sure. that. Yeah. But, like, there are criticisms freaking to be human had. Being you don't have to level. attack. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you don't see them as people, and that's part of being a fan. You get to pay your money, have your opinion. Like, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, sure. Don't send Craig emails. Um, but <laughs> send the thing him emails. I, he still has a Yahoo account. Send it to him. <laughs> Did you have any other thoughts about fans and how people fan and Chiefs fans? No, um, this season? no. Uh, like t- to me, it's like like l- look back. Like I remember, I remember doing the the, the Chiefs pregame show with eight ten. I was with Curtis Hebel and Saran Petro, and I did the one with um, Jovan Belcher. You know, to bring up a, a very very uh, sad real thing. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, that was the pit. Uh, my homeboy Ryan Lilja was the center, and I remember talking to him. And, and Matt Matt Castle was a good good. I met him through Ryan. And it was like, man, realize where it was and like like the lack of confidence you had going into any game as a fan. Being like, we're playing somebody with an above 500 L, right? Mm-hmm. So just realize like what, what we have right now, right? And, and live in the moment, right? Live in the mm-hmm. moment. We have generational players in Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill. And you'll never get that sort of like yeah. amalgamation uh, of people, and just just don't don't break down every little detail, but just enjoy it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, enjoy. Andy Reid ha- has has learned from his 2012 dream team assemblage of you know trying to make it 92 Barcelona, where you pay all these cats in Philly, 
and and they didn't work right they're like oil and water right mm-hmm. and he's got a cat he, he knows the formula now and it's like just enjoy it man just just that's how you fan just enjoy it and stay positive and just know that these guys want to win more than anything else in the world right i mean um sammy watkins took a flipping pay cut to mm-hmm. his team what wide receiver takes a pay cut Santa team, that's stupid, yeah. right? But he took a pay cut because he loved it here because he felt right. Because he felt right. That should not go unnoticed. Like, shit yeah. like that to me is like, look at that. That 2012 team, that was the season from hell. That, yeah. that I mean, BJ and I were writing about that team. I mean, for a blog, but it, it still was a situation where we were covering that team week in and week out. That was miserable. Yeah. And I I think, you know, it's only been eight years, nine years now. Like even when that's yeah. Even the one good season, that playoff game against Baltimore, we were not gonna win that game. No. And he knew that was the that was the epitome of we're just happy to be here. And Mm -hmm. that I'm not saying that from the team's perspective, because I'm sure they were all fired up. But from an outsider's perspective, but from a fan that's how you fan. I'm a glass half full. When it comes to cheese, like glass half full, like I'm always gonna look for the positive. I had zero confidence we were gonna (laughs) You're talking to the guy that was convincing everyone for the San Diego game that Brody Coyle started that we were gonna win that football game. We finished with like 70 yards of total offense, and I went into the ball more playoff game being like i'm just happy we're in the playoffs good for us like yep. good season fellas like this is great i probably wrote the article already before the game was even over <laughs> like, good season yeah. jamal had his exactly. one run in the first half and everyone's like just keep that up yeah just have him run 70 yard touchdowns the whole time and we'll be right in this game <laughs> like, mm. that's it but so, it was, anyway it was that was very recently in chiefs fans history so remember that like yeah we we are not far removed from being there so appreciate it it's it's fun to be here yes and guys before we close out i i was debating whether craig's hoodie craig's hoodie craig's hoodie let's talk about craig's hoodie white house football has i didn't know what that was that yeah patrick mahomes high school i have a hoodie from his high school football hoodie Tyler, Texas. That that's that's that East man. Texas high school football. It's nothing like Dallas football. Let's just clarify from Dallas. We, nobody, nobody in here, actually, except Justin behind the glass. We'll bring him on in a second. <laughs> I want to address this for real quick before it gets too off the rails again. Um, too, be, yeah, because I feel obligated to say something. So there was something on social media that happened between me and Emmanuel Ho uh, from Fox Sports. And we kind of had a back and forth regarding him calling out the chief social team uh, regarding a post that had a picture of Frank Clark, Chris Jones, and Tyron Matthew that looked, uh, in his eyes, pretty aggressive of three black men. Um, He spoke up about it, um, about his um, thoughts on the picture and the word choice and just kind of the whole vibe of of what the post was. The post was deleted, um, and, and then he brought it back up. And so there was kind of a back and forth and a lot of people chimed in on social. It's the only reason I'm mentioning this right now. I, it, it's kind of water under the bridge uh, as he and I did speak um, afterwards. And if anything can come from it, I hope people see that he saw something he didn't like and he said something about it. I saw something I didn't like. I said something about it. And then we got together. We spoke for 15 minutes on the phone and left fine like i understand where he was coming from he understands where i was coming from and we don't have to agree and we can still be upset about what we were originally upset about without having to attack 
other people. And I see it on Twitter all the time on things that are a whole lot less sensitive or a whole lot less of an ordeal than the things that we were getting into. So um, anybody that that saw that interaction or anything, that's kind of the backstory. He saw something like I saw something we spoke. I saw where he was coming from with his history and his background and what he felt when he saw it. And then I told him my version and what I felt. And that was it. So it was a 10 minute conversation and my mentions are still going crazy. People arguing the point back and forth. So it's the only reason I wanted to mention something. I give him a lot of credit. He reached out to me uh, when he saw it, you know, kind of go beyond just a few people having a conversation on Twitter. Um, but that's where it's at. And I've got nothing but respect for him for reaching out. Um, but I'm always going to support my friends. I'm always going to support the guys in the locker room that I knew. Um, it wasn't anything about Tyron Matthew. He wasn't calling out the landlord or the nickname. It, it's unfortunate how it's kind of devolved from that. And that who knows if we're going to see the landlord nickname used on social, uh, which sucks uh, and is a is BS a regarding nickname. how this it's all. A sweet nickname. If that's what ends up happening off of all this, I don't know. I don't know any other backstory of that. Um, but if that's the the thing, that's not fair to Tyron. Um, but that being said, nobody has a right to tell anybody else how something should or shouldn't make them feel. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem in the world right now is people telling other people how they should feel about things or saying, you have no right to be upset about that. Really? When is telling that. somebody that they shouldn't be upset about something ever worked for you, for anyone who's married? So... <laughs> <laughs> We're all just married people, and it all works that way. So anyway, I don't yeah. know why I kept rambling. I, I felt like obligated. That. I should have said something. Craig's sitting there laughing at me, but hey, hey, I, I like to tell people I'm a foot soldier in my relationship. It's all good. I'm not a general. I'm a foot soldier. Happy it wife, does happy no. Wife. It does no good to to take that stance. It does no good to <laughs> dig in that trench. <laughs> yeah. There's no uh, hill I'm worth dying on besides Frank Clark is legit. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. <laughs> I'll die on the Frank and Tyron changed everything. They were, I've got nothing negative. I'm not saying anything negative about Justin and Eric when they were here. But you took those two leaders in the locker room and what they brought, and then you brought in Frank and Tyron, and you give them the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and the team's locked and ready to go, and nobody's going to step out of line in that locker room or in that team. I think Craig could bang out a 10,000-word um, essay tonight Don't, on that. Craig doesn't want to write. Yeah. Don't tempt me. Don't yeah. tempt me. <laughs> yeah. Get look back. All right. Let's bring Justin on, our loyal producer. Is he paying attention? Is he paying? He's moving back there. Is he going to let himself on? Oh, Justin. Oh, what's up? For what? Do you have any oh, thoughts? Wow. You, you got, oh, my God. Whoa, whoa hey. Coming in hey. hot. Hey, you got to drop the lower thirds. Oh, Drop the lower thirds. No, no, no let's just, I, let's I just like Justin. mess it there up. Let's just make it all. Yeah, let's choose that. Love one. it. <laughs> no. I like that. Justin, do you have any thoughts on anything we've been discussing? Week seventeen, just just whatever whatever's on your mind. Um, Week talk seventeen. About, talk yes. about the the redhead from talk TCU. About. Talk about coming home back like to the other, to, to the other um, part of the city, moving from Fort Worth to Dallas. And throwing I mean, it, it, it talk about football. Andy Dalton going, I'm going to say that I didn't watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you watched the Cowboys game. That's what I'm talking about, though. Right? You watched the Cowboys game, right? Uh, today was uh, the start of a new year, and I respect that. that means cleaning my entire house and my restroom. I so today was uh, a lot of chores. I did, I watched barely any football. Week 17 didn't matter to me. I respect that. <laughs> I, I was so, uh, 
I was a big time uh, Cleveland Browns fan today, just for the record. They're, hey, they're legit. Like I was waiting for them to, to, to that bubble to burst all season, and then once they were hot in November and December, and and to me, the play of the season for the Browns is um, Baker making that fourth down or third down conversion on like a, a QB bootleg to the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, that was Kareem Hunt's block. It was. Cream Hunt ran out and nailed that linebacker. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I did not see oh, that. Oh, a little guy went and hit a big guy? You should go watch that play again. I was, like watching, I was, watching, I was watching Baker Mayfield uh, solo Dello putting his head down. And I'm like. I was hoping it was 30 who made the block. I hope it was my guy Dearness. Yeah. And I was like, all right, good job, Kareem. Good job. I hope that was Dearness, <laughs> yeah. though. Uh, completely uh, selfless pl- or selfish plug here. But uh, Let It Fly Media, our first documentary in the athletics division with Dearness Johnson, the, the the running back with the Browns, who's not Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. <laughs> so he's gotten his opportunities earlier when those guys got injured. But we did a 16-minute documentary with him that we'll post later this week on Thursday. You guys um, got down to 16? Yeah. It's a great story. That's it is. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It is. You don't have to be a Browns fan. You don't even have to be a football fan to be inspired and take something away from Dearness' journey. Uh, he's a great kid. I I was watching the game. He does some of the kick returns, and he's one of the third downs. Kind of like Daryl Williams is for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like his role with the team. And uh, I cannot wait for Browns fans and just football fans to see his story and see what honestly what let it fly media can do in in the documentary space and tell stories we've seen the 3d animations that came out doing one of our guys did some stuff with the los angeles clippers and they're in arena like open video uh which is a crazy work that they do and it'll be awesome it'll be fun later this week to show um that side of what we do so final thoughts anybody nick what do you got um it's exciting to have, like, um, I, I've been talking to a lot of people who are saying, like, hey, starters should play, blah, 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 Rust, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, if there's one coach who can handle Rust, and if there's one team that's built off of mid-level veterans, is is this Chiefs team. And you want know, to talk about cats who, who know how to handle themselves when there's not a game. And to people, to and, and, and for me, who have been a six-year pro, and I had that week off from playoffs, bro. What the hell were you doing August one? Like, like, think back. Like, guys, I, I want like just a one-word answer. What were you guys doing August one? Can you look back and see what were you doing August one? And I was uh, oh, me? Oh, my. Yeah, any, anybody. Home. I was getting ready for my wife's birthday, which was the next day. Right, Justin. What were you yeah. doing August one? Like, right? Like, what? What were you doing? What? And I was sleeping, unemployed. Right. Right. <laughs> So, so anybody in NFL right now has been playing football since August one. They've been locked in. Mm-hmm. So to get a first round bye to turn your mind off and just to watch it, man. And you need that recharge before you go on a playoff run. You need that shit, man. It's it's oh like a first it's round seven dollars. Oh. You failed seven dollars <laughs> in the swear jar. That's I'll enough for it, Justin Chipotle. No, he gets it for no, free. He gets my chicky likes him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying a first round buy is awesome, and Andy Reid can handle that because his record off a of buy, legit. Longest yeah, podcast I, we've it, ever done. Craig, final thoughts. The rest off of a buy. People talk about oh the rust. Oh, I don't know how this team's going to come out. Andy Reid off a of buy. Just he, they're focused. They're going to be good. 
enjoy it. Enjoy not playing this week. Enjoy not having to stress about what this team is doing this week. Enjoy football without the Chiefs because you got the number one seed and you got the best player in the world. Let's just let's go. Let's bring it yeah. on. Now, now is when the real fun happens. Two triple Absolutely. headers. Two. Oh, next weekend's going to be so awesome. Oh, and I me. love the fact that the, the Brown Steelers is the last one. So the Chiefs, you're not going to know who we're playing in that game until that final game. The very end, yeah. Yeah, you're not, we're not going to know who the Chiefs are playing until Sunday night, that last primetime game, which is delicious. And mm-hmm. so that is, I don't know why I use the word delicious. It's too late right now. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. My final thought is um, can't we all just get along on social media? Everybody love everyone. No. Uh, let's enjoy this. We talk about it all the time. But, That's fine. Um, be kind. <laughs> shut up. Be kind to each other. I'm telling, sitting here trying to say be kind to each other and telling you to shut up in the process. <laughs> this gigantic hypocrite. But no, thank different. you, everybody, for listening, for listening to the longest episode in In the Trenches or Outside the Trenches history. So thank you all for listening. Eat a lot of Jack Stack barbecue and be nice to each other. And we will see you. Are we going to do, do an episode next week? Yes. We are? Okay. We're going to do an episode probably next Monday. We'll probably record Monday once we know who we're playing. So, catch it then. Maybe we'll have Craig or maybe we'll have his twin on, Kent. We'll have a guest on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.